0: Welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast, the only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos: The Professional Wrestling Discussion segment of the Bear of Texas Podcast. I am the Bear of Texas, and let's welcome back mr david Lafon david. It kind of seems like it's been
1: forever yeah, man. it's uh definitely been a while. I think last time we spoke was on the Malachi Black contract situation, Raven going into the Hall of Fame. And then, interesting enough, us wondering where Sean Spears was. And then, like, a week and a half later, he comes back, um, works with FTR, cuts a great promo after Rampage. So, that just goes to show, if we mention you on Ringside Chaos, on the Bear of Texas podcast, you're inevitably going to get a call from Tony Khan asking you to go work a show. So, all you guys who are uh, sitting in the back in the AEW locker room, WWE locker room, you know who you need to get at if y'all want to work we did it for uh, sean spears sure we could do it for you too yeah and i
0: guess you know speaking of sean spears he's a fit he's a baby face look
1: at that He should. i mean you know you, you team him up with ftr he's going to get that positive reaction to a great babyface promo um afterwards talking about the loss of the loss of his mom and of course we all of us said our condolences to him and yeah. uh you know him teaming up with ftr as we know, FTR is completely revolutionizing the tag team business, bringing it back, in my opinion, to a prominence that hasn't known probably since the 90s, and that is actually what we are going to be discussing today. Me and the Bear, Smokey and the Bear, the greatest tag team in podcasting, are going to do a deep dive on the wonderful, crazy, and in my opinion, one of the best parts of pro wrestling, the tag team.
0: Absolutely. And I'm going to stress to everybody that an episode like this, this was David's idea. So give the credit to Mr. David Lafon. And, you know, I'm doing this because he's been with me since the beginning. He has supported me. He has rooted for me. So, Dave, I would not be where I am today and I would not have the motivation to keep going if it wasn't for David. But there's a lot of friends who fit the same category as David. You all know who you are. The bottom line is, When there's requests from people that truly care about me, it is my life objective to fulfill them. So here we are.
1: I appreciate that. Always, man. Always happy to see you. Always happy to provide that hot tag when you need it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, tag team wrestling, you know, the first recorded tag team match in history was back in 1901. I mean, so it's definitely something that was more of a regional uh, gimmick. Didn't really start getting national attention until the 30s. Even the NWA, WWWF at the time, didn't really start incorporating it until the late 70s, early 80s. Um, but, I mean, man, you got some, some, some storytelling and some just crazy good athletes coming out of those tag teams. You had kind of the, the fall of tag teams, I would almost say, because everyone knows Vince didn't really like pushing them. You had the rise of the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian in the Attitude Era, and then I, uh, I think, I think tag team wrestling kind of went dormant for a while. And you know, people want to criticize or you know say they don't know how to tell the stories, but you have to look at what the Young Bucks did and really brought tag team wrestling back to the forefront. And then you have a team like FTR, who in my opinion is. Taking it old school, but keeping it fresh enough that it's one of the hottest things going right now.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm talking when tag team wrestling, you know, according to research that I've done, you know, it was first heavily being promoted in San Francisco in the 1950s. Because remember, San Francisco, there was like promotion. San Francisco used to be one of the West Coast territories of back in the territorial days, especially in the 50s. But, you know, tag team wrestling, I mean, you mentioned the tag teams we have today. I mean, you, you go back to the 80s, you think of demolition, and of course, honestly, my in my opinion, the greatest tag team of all time, the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors.
1: But, it, you know, like, from all, all United these- United dec- Express, Walk and Roll Express, the Minnesota Wecking Crew, yeah, I mean, um, you know, Terry perfect. Gordy and, and Steve Williams. You had Barry Wyndham and Dustin Rhodes. You had the US Express and WWE, the Dream Team with uh greg the hammer valentine and brutus beefcake the british bulldogs the heart foundation the rockers i mean you go back in the rogers um you go back and look at some of those old like survivor series tapes from wwe and they'll have like the 10 teams versus 10 team survivor series matches you see 20 guys surrounding a ring and just just uh love the gimmicks man i love it when you know, you would have the Bulldogs both wearing the same tights and coming out with the dog and the Heart Foundation dress simile demolition with the, the face paint and the spikes and the leather and the amazing entrance music. um, The Killer Bees and just, I loved it when you had those tag teams that kind of fed off each other and you could easily identify them as a tag team where, you know, there was a huge period where it was just, all right, let's take two top stars and team them up. But I love it when they have the the continuity um, with each other, I think that definitely kind of sets them apart from everybody else.
0: Absolutely. You know, and honestly, how tag team wrestling has just gone so unique and one of the greatest things in, in professional wrestling, I always say, like, when you have a tag team and they have a manager at their side, that only intensifies the excitement, honestly. And that just tells the story to a higher
1: level. You're not kidding. I mean, you look at guys like Jimmy Hart, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jim Cornette, um, the, you know, what they added to their teams just cannot be measured. I mean, let's be honest. Jim Cornette was probably 60 percent of the reason that the Midnight Express was as over and as hated that they were. Bobby Eaton was insanely good in the ring. Stan Lane could do anything as well. Dennis Condry. Um, just great all-around guys, but, man, Cornette was that heat magnet. When he hit a guy with his racket or when a baby face made a comeback on him, the crowds would go absolutely nuts. I mean, and that's what everyone wanted to see was Cornette get his ass kicked. You go back and you look at the NWA or even uh, the old Bill Watts territories, whenever they you know, drew, drew their largest houses, it was when there was a situation where they were going to be able to see something happen to Jim Cornette. People loved to hate him.
0: Absolutely, yeah. People love to hate Jim Cornette, and that's why I strongly recommend, like, Jim Cornette tells the best stories, especially from his days when he was a manager and back in the days of wrestling. I mean, we've all seen, like, the stories about how Jim Cornette was legitimately arrested because, you know, back then that's how it was. You know, he, you know, he was, you know, the heel manager hitting people with rackets, but, you know, he's even told stories about how these fans would attack him. He would have to defend himself, but, you know… Managing is a big part of it, you know. And I mentioned Mr. Fuji, who of course managed Demolition. And speaking of Mr. Fuji, he used to be in a tag team with uh, I think Masa Saito. And you know, of course, we mentioned tag teams, the AWA, Jesse the Body Ventura teamed up with several wrestlers, uh, most notably Adrian Adonis. And I believe they were known as the East West Connection,
1: both on uh, right points. Mr. Fuji, of course, uh, you know, did he also teamed up with Mr. Sato for a while. Um, I believe that's actually when they were in WWE. Um, yeah. And then he, uh, you know, uh, was uh, Toro Tanaka, Professor Tanaka. I mean, that was, yeah, man, I remember being a kid and just being absolutely scared to death of them. And then, yeah, went on to manage teams like Demolition, The Powers of Pain, um, really, really great. Demolition, I remember being a kid and I absolutely loved them. I thought they were the greatest thing. I mean, looking back, obviously a complete Road Warrior clone, um, a complete Road Warrior knockoff, but um, for what WWE did with them, I thought it was great. I think they were actually the the first, um, you know, wrestlers other than Hulk Hogan to actually have music with lyrics. Here comes the X, here comes the Smasher, it's Immolation, Walking Disaster. That is probably completely off-key and horrible, but. Yeah, uh, you're psyched when
0: they came out. So many names. I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to remember. I mean, one of them, another one just came in mind, the natural disasters. I mean, now that now their music, I think was, even though it was just like an earth, it was like the sound of an earthquake. I would always suggest, you know, since there was earthquake and typhoon, they can have the sound of the earthquake. And then maybe they can have like a, an alarm, you know, like one of those blizz, one of those typhoon alarms, like those hurricane things like that. But I'm telling you, yeah, I
1: mean, you get the crashing perception. waves,
0: though, people are going to be
1: falling asleep. So. <laughs> yeah, right. man. Um, Tugboat, dude, he turned heel on Hogan, man. That uh, became <laughs> the natural disasters. And then they actually turned face against Money Inc., uh, which, I mean, that's another case of. Like, see, even in that situation, you have to respect that because, yeah, it was two singles they just put together, Ted DiBiase and IRS, but they made the gimmick work. You know, they you had. The million dollar man and the guy who's trying to get your taxes and it actually fit together like i, I couldn't stand it in later years when it would just be like all right we're going to team up you know john cena and Shawn michaels but no i i want an actual tag team i want continuity i want them to have tandem moves the finishers like rated rko yeah there you go that was when that worked that was a, a situation where they put two guys together, and I think it, it really did work uh, in that situation.
0: And, and I got to apologize. I'm sure I've interrupted you several times already, but uh, you know, I'm sorry, but the nostalgia or just the blessing that you're back on this show, brother, I can't stand it. And, you know, and again, you know, more of them I, I think one thing I you was know, going back to the days of the AWA, you know, when you mentioned uh, Mr. S- uh, Saito, uh, I think that was the same guy. It's, it's also Masa Saido. I guess he was just under a different yes. name, right? Okay. But also, you know, speaking of Jesse Ventura, I believe he also teamed up with uh, Dick Murdoch, and I think they were known as the North South Connection at the time because Dick Murdoch was from Texas. But
1: but we, we've seen so a is lot. Is there anyone Jesse Ventura didn't team up with at this point? Good Lord, East West North South. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think
0: it's because Jesse Ventura. Sometimes I, I sometimes I ask why he was in so many teams. Part of me says that because. They could not find themselves in a position. He's such a, he was such a popular draw, they had to keep him active. So they said, okay, we'll throw you into this team. But, you know, of course, you, want, you know, Jesse Ventura, when he uh, teamed up with Masa Saito, I mean, when he tells the story of when he left the AWA, he was teaming up with Masa Saito, and they were known as the, I think, the West and the Far East connection. I'm not sure, but, but I think Jesse Ventura's most memorable, like, tenure
1: in attack tag team was with Adrian Adonis. Oh, absolutely it was. Um, I mean, you look back in history, and some of the stuff that they had together, and some of the matches were just were were absolutely insane. Um, the East West Connection, and they won the AWA World Tag Team Championship, and were just an absolute just just phenomenal team. And, and it does make sense, you know, because I think uh, especially later in his career, Jesse was dealing with a lot of injuries, and so by having him be in those tag teams, you know, you're not going to put as much on the body, It's gonna, not as much wear and tear, and just hopefully. Uh, have his career to uh to last a little
0: longer. Absolutely.
1: So uh, you
0: know, we mentioned all these managers. Too, I mean, you know, people you know say with these tag teams. They also mentioned stables. You know, you know, of course there was like you know with the the four horsemen, the New Day, and everything like that. The NWO. I mean, the but you know, stables. And we'll we'll keep we'll we'll definitely do an episode on some, on the, some of the most memorable stables. But but go back to tag when I mean, We mentioned you know the mega powers. You know, the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. And you know, and I think I like how you mentioned how at first like the Ted DiBiase and IRS, like how it pairs up because I the way I saw it was this: a a, a millionaire and his and his personal tax
1: guy. That, that's how I kind of saw it. Yeah, you, the you know all the rich guys got their accountants. You, definitely works out. Yeah, exactly. So so, so let's let's ask you this, Alex. We've we've kind of touched on it. So the '80s, you can pick three tag teams from the '80s. Who are you? Now, obviously, we know there's going to be some crossover. People were in the 80s. People were in the 90s. But those who were just slowly solely uh, based in the 80s are mainly known for the 80s runs. Who, in your opinion, is the top three? Who is who is the Bears' I'm top three tag team? It's, sorry. I, again,
0: I apologize. I'm just so excited. That's tough because the 80s were be, before my time. And I don't want to make you feel old, but. But of course, I've gone back, done research, watched tape. I mean, I would say YouTube, but you know, tape. If we're gonna go old school back then, I mean, the word tape is the way to, is the way to go. But obviously, tape
1: is uh, used by a VCR for those of our listeners who weren't born in the 80s. It's uh, ask that, your parents about it, kids. It's great stuff. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but for me, Demolition, obviously, because you know, you Demolition, the Legion of Doom. Th- those two are no brainers because the, the, those names. Or basically, you can't mention tag team history without even mentioning them. The third one—that's where the—that's where it's really tough. I mean, it's it's basically a argument whether you can. Go, one of them would be could be the British Bulldogs, or, or the Rockers, the Hart Foundation. You know, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, or the Mega Powers. I mean, but the first two, in my opinion, are no brainer. Is the third the third one? I mean, that that's where the argument and the confusions really start.
1: It is, and I, I definitely think you have to look, like, if we're t- just talking purely 80s, I don't think anyone tops what the Road Warriors did during that time. I mean, they, it's called the Road Warrior Pop for a reason. Iron Man would hit, the crowd would go absolutely nuts. You'd have Animal and Hawk come out, bigger than life, Jack to the gills, the face paint, the reverse Mohawk, stuff people had not seen before. And they would just go out and they would demolish their opponents. Hashtag demolition. Um, now, if we're talking personal favorites, i got to put Demolition on that list as well. However, I'm going to take my personal feelings aside of it. We're going to look at talent. We're going to look at drawing power. We're going to look at, at at the whole package here. So I think, number one, absolutely, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, the absolute best tag team of the 80s. Um, second, got to give it to the Midnight Express, both incarnations, uh, Bobby with Dennis, Bobby with Stan. Of course, both groups with Jim Cornette, simply because of the hate, the heat. They would get booed out of buildings. Cornette would get death threats. I mean, you could not put over what they did. And a lot of their moves were incredibly innovative. You go back and look at that, some of that stuff, Bobby Eaton could easily be considered one of the first high flyers. Now, the the last slot, though, you're absolutely right. It is so hard to fill.
0: There's one, Here's one team i even mention, the Rock and Roll Express. And the fact yes. is, Rick,
1: he still wrestles today. I mean, in that third slot, you could put the Rock and Roll Express, the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, or here's what we have even mentioned. What about the Steiner Brothers? Well, they were 90s. I mean, 90s, Steiner, I think. I mean are we going to consider those more 90s? Even though they, yeah. Got the, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right.
0: I mean, I think they started, they might have started wrestling in the 80s, but I think the Steiner Brothers' name kind of, it was basically... Yeah. It was well,
1: we'll push them in the 90s. And go so back to the, the Road
0: Warriors, I mean... They, there was that episode on Dark Side. Of I mean, the Road Warriors, they brought tag team wrestling to a whole new permanent level. Like, they increased the insisting on putting gimmicks, on, like, really having, like, these tag team moves. Like, their finisher, the, the Doomsday Device, that, I mean, that's the art right there of tag team. A brilliant tag team, their finisher has to be with both guys doing something.
1: That's important. And what I love about them, too, is, you know, a lot of times with a lot of these tag teams, you'd have the one big guy and the one little guy. That was kind of the the recipe for it. And these were just two jacked monsters. Like, it's crazy if you think about it. Hawk was considered the little guy out of the two of them. I mean, that absolutely makes absolutely no sense. Or here's another one we could fit in that third slot for discussion. What about the fabulous Freebirds, man? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rogers, Terry Gordy, uh, Michael Hayes. I mean, that... There was so much good tag team wrestling. I don't know. I I think you absolutely have to do Legion of Doom number one, Midnight Express number two. But is there a clear-cut third best tag team of the 80s, or is it all about what you personally like? I think and, it's, it's hard because they both conflict. Yeah, I mean, I mean when, you can go- make an argument for the Hearts, the Bulldogs, the Rock and Roll Express, the Freebirds, the Twin Towers. I'm kidding. I'm not making an argument for Vicious and dance by me, but there was just so much there. And you want to think about Heat? Look at like the Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. You know, see, uh, see another one. I forgot and you you mentioned Heat. I
0: mean, just imagine the death threats that Nikolai Volkov got in the '80s, in the height of the Cold War. A dude singing the the Soviet national anthem in Madison Square Garden, and then his opponent, his uh, t- partner, saying soviet union number one iran number one and america then (laughs) i mean that i mean look i'll be honest like people would ask me is it was it really worth it to do that i'm like yes because it caused controversy it got heat the most important thing it made money that's what it's about it made money if if i was a huge heel if I were to go like in a city, I would cut the biggest heel promo. I don't care if I get death threats. I don't care what happens. As long as I'm making money, I'm doing my job as a heel, then that's it. That's it.
1: So, I think so. if we take that into effect, if we're going to talk about drawing money, I think that third tag team, you got to give it to the Rock and Roll Express. The the feud that they had with the Midnight's was huge. Um, they main evented everywhere in the South. Like, can we have, like, a 3 and then a 3A, three a 3B, a three and a 3C? Because I still want to get the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, the Freebirds. I mean, just – just this is going to be a lot easier when we start talking about the 90s, I think. Um, <laughs> maybe. But I, I feel like the 80s was – it was – I mean, if you look at all the companies combined – because when we get to the 90s, we're mainly going to be talking about WCW and WWE. But if you look at the 80s and all the different territories and all the different teams they had – I really think that was the golden age of tag team wrestling, but I have a glimmer of hope that we may be entering a new golden age of tag team wrestling, and we're going to get to that here in just a little bit as well.
0: Absolutely. you know, All, all, all these names like that, I mean, you asking me, was that, were they 80s,
1: 90s, or both? I mean, you're just like, can we talk about the dynamic dudes? I mean, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas, let's go. They didn't even ride the damn skateboard to the ring. They carried them.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think I might have mentioned. I forgot to mention the Bushwhackers, but I think they were, were they nineties. But, I, but I, I believe they were nineties. Well,
1: here's the thing, though. Are you talking about the Bushwhackers or the Sheepherders? Because when they came to the WWE and they became the Bushwhackers and don't, do you know, the Australian music and the arms and the wicking. But I don't know. Like you said, I'm a, I'm the much older wrestling fan of the two of us. If you've ever gone back and look at some of, like, the death matches they were in as the Sheep Herders, those were some bad sons of bitches, dude. Oh, I mean, yeah. They would get bloody and be beating the hell out of people, and then they come into the WWE, and it's, oh, Cousin it Luke, and, But you look at some old Sheep Herders matches from back in the day, those are some tough sons of bitches. Well, here's another name from the 80s who forgot. The Wild Samoans. I'm Sika... Like, if we're going by lineage, I mean, is there any, like, no offense to the Von Eriks, no offense to the Hearts, no offense to the Rhodes. I understand, according to Cody's music, wrestling has more than one royal family. But, dude, is there a better lineage than the Samoan dynasty? Afa, Sika, Rikishi, the Usos, Roman Reigns, The Rock, Nia Jax. I mean, just, it's it say the amount of Haku. Um, the Bullet Club, Tamatanga, uh, it's If you actually think about the amount of wrestlers that came out of that family and how good they are and what they've done for the business, that is – it's insane, dude. It's absolutely insane. Speaking of Haku, Haku was once part of a – was
0: actually once – no, he was with Andre the Giant, the Colossal Connection.
1: Ah. Uh. Yes. But there's one time. Uh, okay. you great know, match, actually, actually, against Demolition at uh, WrestleMania with Bobby Heenan. Yeah. That's uh, when Andre was in his uh, later days. Hey, you want to talk about Haku, though? You can even go. Uh, was it when he was teamed up with the Tonga Kid? Uh, was it the, the Islanders? It was him yeah. and the Tonga Kid. You also you know had him with uh, the Barbarian as the Faces of Fear. All kinds of stuff.
0: You know, of course, there was actually a, ta- a female tag team in the 80s consisting of Princess Victoria and Velvet McIntyre. And, you know, when I saw that episode of Dark Side of the Ring about the fabulous Muda and I learned about Princess Victoria, man. I went back, w- learned, wanted to learn so much about Princess Victoria, watched her matches. I mean, dude, she was incredible. I mean, her, her gimmick, you know, her gimmick based on her real Native American heritage. You know, she, she
1: teamed up with Velvet McIntyre. I mean... It's funny you mentioned was- that. I was actually watching the uh, very first Survivor Series yesterday. And uh, there's actually a, they had a five on five women's match. there's actually a tag team from Japan called the Jumping Bomb Angels. I actually just, I actually, I'm actually looking at them right now. like, I did not know that. Dude, they have like, their, uh, their finish was a double drop kick from the top rope. And you talk about women doing that back in the 80s is absolutely unheard of. Oh, man.
0: I mean, I, this is why when I stress to people, women's wrestling is absolutely important. Women's wrestling matters, you know, and it makes me sick to my stomach to see how female wrestlers get so badly disrespected.
1: We can we'll do another episode on that, but I am gonna hit you with that blind tag. Time to move on to the so let, let's let's recap the 80s. I think we're both in agreement. Number one, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal.
0: Absolutely.
1: Number two, you had picked Demolition. Can definitely understand that. I myself am going with the Midnight Express. And that number three spot, i looking at everything. I did decide on rock and roll if we're talking about drawing power. But let's be honest, an argument can be made for a half a dozen teams. What's what's your pick for your third team there, Bearman?
0: Oh, I'll I'll just go British Bulldogs.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Plus, they had Ozzy Osbourne come to the ring with them at WrestleMania, too. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> right, yeah. But now so here we are. Mo- so let's move into the 90s. Now, the 90s were definitely a different time for tag team wrestling. Um, in this, I think we are going to mainly be focusing on WWF, uh, WCW. We may touch on ECW a little bit. Just because the independents, as we kind of go into 90s, were for the most part kind of dying out. You still had some of those fringe territories and those fringe tag teams, but the ones that were uh, really making a splash were definitely a part of the, the big two and a half, uh, you know, organizations that we want to talk about. So, I mean, let, let's, let's talk nineties, man. Um, it started out very odd in a way you had the rockers breaking up with, uh, you know, one of the greatest heel turns in history when Shawn Michaels threw Marty Gennetti through that glass window. You saw Bret Hart break out on his own as the singles. You saw Davey Boy Smith of the British Bulldogs break out on his own in the singles on WCW. Um, I think that was actually at that time uh, that the Road Warriors showed up in WWF as well. WCW was definitely going through a transition. I think the only tag team... In the early 90s that really stood out for wcw and they ended up in the WWF as well Is you got to talk about the steiner brothers man i mean this is
0: uh, here they're listed as the number one tag team in the 90s and i'm talking about yeah. like the entire decade
1: i mean i i think you could absolutely make that argument man um scott steiner i mean if, if you look at like scott steiner before he became big papa pump you you wouldn't think it was the same person but, no man, he was doing stuff <laughs> people had like I don't know if people realize this, the her, you know the Frankensteiner had never been seen before until Scott brought that. Or are you familiar with the scri- the Steiner screwdriver, the jumping pile driver he had? I've seen it. I mean, I mean it's, it's dude. And Rick would just come up with su- knock the shit out of you. Scott would just come up with suplexes like it was going out of style. I mean, they were insane. I mean, they. I mean.
0: They had won already the tag team titles in WCW seven times. They even dominated in Japan. They won the IWGP Tag Team Championships twice, won the WBF World Tag Team Championships several times. I mean, I, I encourage people when people say, Yeah, I wonder what, what Scott Steiner did before he was with the end before you know the, the singles won in, in the NWN. I tell people, well, do your research because you are gonna be amazed with, with what he done. He had already done a lot.
1: Yeah, the the Steiner brothers were insane. I mean, they're they first started teaming, you know, teaming together in the the very late eighties when their first title in eighty nine. Man, they yeah. were just the the stuff Scott was doing. And, and I'm not trying to overshadow Rick, but Scott Steiner was so ahead of his time. Absolutely insane. He was, yeah, no doubt.
0: So of course, so Rick Rick, uh, so the Steiner brothers come to mind. But you know, as we're going through like the entire nineties, I mean. So many of them. I mean the Dudley Boys, Harlem Heat, The New Age Outlaws, uh, Edge and Christian, like like you mentioned, Sting and Lex Luger, the, Hardys. the Hardy,
1: boys, the Boys. Owen Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna, that right there never gets enough attention. Oh, what uh Yoko was Owen's mm-hmm. surprise partner at the Royal Rumble when they beat the smoking guns for the titles? Mm-hmm. The, to- and Rob Van Dam at ECW, the gangstas. New That's, Jack and Saeed. <laughs> I think the issue with that is, though, man, like, because don't get me wrong, up until about six months ago, in my opinion, the Dudleys are the greatest tag team of all time. Um, and we'll get to that later, how they were. Um, stay tuned to see which team I now think is better than the Dudleys. There's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. But the teams you just mentioned, the Outlaws, the Dudleys, the Hardys, Edge, and Christian, I mean, we're talking like the last two, three years of the 90s. I mean, because they didn't really get big until the, the Attitude era. And so, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I think when you look at the 90s overall, you're looking at the Steiner brothers. Yeah. no, um, no WWF, you had a lot of the gimmick teams. You had the Nasty Boys, um, the Natural Disasters, Money, Inc., what we previously talked about. There were Joes, the Beverly Brothers. Um, here's, here's, here's a flashback for you. Power and Glory. Paul, Roma, and Hercules. Well, here's one. Men
0: on a Mission. Moe and Mabel, baby, with Oscar. Let's go. Yeah, I think before what well, that—that's when they got to W to the WWF. I think before that they were—they were known as the Harlem Knights before they—before they—before uh, they signed with Vince. I think I guess Vince just wanted to give them a different name. Of course, Always, they yes were, to own it. Of course, the head—the head shrinkers, you know, uh, which was you know Fatu before he became Rikishi. I—I uh, forgot. Yeah, it was Samu and
1: Fatu. They were like yes. the, the head shrinkers and. then they brought in the Barbarian, but renamed him Sione, and he was a member of um. And you know what? I I feel horrible that I'm just not bringing this up, but we talk about tag team managers. How could we overlook Captain Lou Albano? Oh, man. The manager of the Wild Simones. How could we? We are horrible people. And later tonight, we will commit seppuku in order to apologize. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, no. I got to just take a sword in my stomach.
0: Oh boy. But, but, you know, <laughs> I, but mean, I, they, think, I think we, we, we mentioned uh, the Wild Samoans. I mean, they were managed by Captain Lou Albano. He was brought
1: back with the head shrinkers. Yeah. But overall, I, I think we look at the 90s. WCW definitely had a better tag division in the 90s just because they had the Steiners for the majority of the time. They did have like teams like Harlem Heat. Um, you know, originally came out Kane and Cole, we eventually renamed Booker Booker T as Stevie Ray with Sister Sherry, Colonel Robert Parker, uh Doom to a to a certain extent. They had a brief, you know, they were still around in the early part of the 90s before Ron Simmons went on his own. But a lot of the WWF tag teams at that time were just they were either ridiculously gimmicked, like the smoking guns, the body Donna's, the head shrinkers. Or it was just two random people tagged together that made no sense. Like the one, two, three kid and Bob Hawley or Tataka and Bam Bam Bigelow or Lance Lex Luger and um, the British Bulldog. You know, and even when they did bring in the tag teams that, you know, at least had some continuity, men on a mission, the Rogels, the Beverly Brothers, they just completely did not get over. Um, tag team wrestling, for, for the most part, for the WWF, until up until... You know, 96, 97, when they did start bringing in Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Hardys, was pretty fucking awful. I mean, it yeah, was
0: bad. it was definitely in the in the late nineties when de- when the WF got it definitely started getting it better, and I think we, we, we got to get to that now. Like it might, I mean, yeah, the APA, Bradshaw, Farouk, and. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I I'm I I've been told that the reason they were paired up together was because man because creative had nothing had nothing for them, so they just put them together, and then one day you know they they were always up you know backstage everything like that, and, and then you know they started getting popular, and then they found something, but but of course you know I'll, I'll never forget the rock and sock connection, and people think I'm crazy, but I I, I actually think that the Rock and Sock Connection is actually one of the best tag teams in the Attitude Era, but that's for personal reasons. And I can actually explain why, if you'd like me to. What? Well, because man, Mankind, his character kind of being like the weird character that everybody thought was weird and the guy who had no friends, the Mankind character reminded me of what I was back then, you know, a seven-year-old kid with a serious learning disability, being verbally and emotionally abused by teachers, being picked on by kids. Everybody thought I was weird. And then, of course, I had a friend who was extremely popular who had my back. So I kind of see it as Mankind of the Rock was like the, the most awkward kid in school versus the, uh, teaming up with the most with like the prom king and the, and the captain of the of the of the varsity football team. So it kind of reminded me of like the friend I had who had always had my back. So the Rock and Sock connection kind of had a personal thing
1: on me and I enjoyed it. Agreed, agreed. I think we we got a lot of ground to, to cover. And we'll definitely do a do a deep dive on that. But I'm looking here actually at the history um of the WWE championship in the nineties. And man, if like the list of some of these teams is just not great. Um, um I'm I'm looking at like the Quebecers, the one, two, three kid, Marty Gennetti, the Quebecers again, men on a mission. Beckers again, the head shrinkers, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly, Smoking Guns, Owen Hart and Yokozuna, and the Godwins. So it was a lot of teams that I think were just kind of thrown together with two guys that you kind of said had nothing to do with, until you start getting here in about 96. And the the, the champions at that time were the smoking guns, and they actually got defeated by Owen Hart and the British Bulldogs. And around 96 is when we started getting those seeds planted for the Heart Foundation, the new Heart Foundation. So your next group is Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels. Again, it is two guys kind of thrown together, but I think obviously it was done because they were both in a feud with Brett. They're two of the hottest stars at that time. Brett was the world champion, but he's out being injured. Let's do what we can do to, to keep these guys together and um and, and kind of keep that momentum going for him and then, of course Shawn Michaels got suspended after the backstage fight with Bret Hart and then you have one of my favorite combinations you mentioned the rock and sock connection how about the dude lo- dude love and stone cold steve austin <laughs> when that hit and <laughs> they had that meeting and oh Steve you know I don't blame you for not wanting to team up with that deranged freak mankind and of just say oh no I'm not reading this I'm trying to do this completely off the top of my head but you're gonna say nothing about teaming up with the hippies, cat in the land Steve it's me Dude, love and man that was that was a pop bro when he came out and hit that. And even Austin, kind of charity with the beers at the end. My little thirteen-year-old fat kid self was happy as hell. <laughs> I mean, you
0: mentioned that. I mean, i will never forget when when Cactus Jack uh, briefly
1: teamed up with Terry Funk. It's not uh, Charlie, the one that actually—that was the next one I was going to cover. It's one that attacked uh, him titles in WrestleMania 14. That brutal dumpster match. Um, when uh oh, they power bombed uh. Terry Funk into that dumpster. And then it was the next night on Raw, if you remember, they lost the titles back to to the New Age Outlaws. And um, that was the night that DX formed with Triple H and X-Pac came back. And that was kind of the – it started a little bit before then, but I think you look at that night as the night that the Attitude Era really kicked off. Because you had Austin as your champion after finally beating Michaels. You had DX coming together. Brett had been gone for a while. Vince was finally starting to really feel that, you know, evil Mr. McMahon um, character who ended up going on to be the greatest heel of all time. And that's really, I think, when the attitude era kicked off.
0: Oh, no doubt about it, man. And I think also, like, uh, if I remember correctly, after they lost the titles, Cactus Shack cut that heel promo. And then I think that was basically when the
1: Cactus Jack character disappeared from, w- from the WWF. He did. He became the uh, heel dude love. Uh, Mick Foley kind of. he came out and had his hair slicked back, wore a suit and jacket, actually had his, his fake teeth in, so he had a full mouth of teeth. And I hated him so much because I love Mick Foley, and I still do. But, oh, my gosh, I, I, uh, that character. You know, as, you, as you keep going through the 90s, you have a lot of these thrown together tag teams, you know, with the exception of the New Age Outlaws. You know, they're taking on people like Kane and Mankind, Stone Cold and The Undertaker, Big Boss Man and Ken Shamrock, Jeff Jarrett, and Owen Hart, rest in peace. Kate and x who I loved as a tag team. Um, absolutely love them. And then we see our first, you know, uh, 99 in May, we see our first run by the Acolytes. She so was about Bradshaw and Farouk, two guys they had nothing for. And so they just kind of threw them together. And and um, I'm telling
0: you, the best things from the Attitude Era. And it's still all being talked about today. Backstage, drinking beer, playing cards, you know, being hired as enforcers. A lot of good stuff.
1: And then I I think from from then, you really get into what I consider, like, let's be honest. We talked about the 90s, you know, overall on tag teams. I think you have to say WCW completely dominated that. You want to talk the nineties, Steiner Brothers, Harlem Heat. If we're talking ECW, then of course you gotta work in. Do we wanna do we want to talk ECW tag teams? Do we want to go into the eliminators and the gangsters and the Dudleys? How the hell could we not have mentioned this tag team? The nasty boys. Cause they dude, I'm I'm sorry, man. I I call me a hater. Like the nasty i will the nasty boys suck they are awful nothing about them interests. like i'm I'm sorry i don't want to see one dude take another dude's head and shove it to his armpit i remember they were on like some episode of man versus food like we're the greatest tag team of all time and and no i i thought the nasty boys were trash
0: okay i I mean it's, it's just i felt like you know we definitely should have mentioned but if we talk about ecw you know Sabu and Rob Van Dam, the Eliminators. I think those you know, Harry public Saturn enemy, and Cronus baby, public enemy number one, or the public enemy, I should say. Of course, you know what the happened gangster. to them
1: when they when they went to the WWF, right? What was that? What
2: public was
1: that? Enemy? I said you heard what happened to them when they went to WWF, right? Well, and I they, mean
0: they went it, it went bad i mean 96 and 98 when they were wcw they they did actually strike some gold but with the ww yeah but i think that's where it just well you know, it, what, it just went what, down.
1: yeah the reason it, it went to shit is they had a match against acolytes and right before they went out public enemy wanted to screw and change up the finish and if you're dealing with someone like Bradshaw, you're dealing with someone like Ron Simmons, Farouk, that is not something that you do. Basically, they told them, hey, this, you know, they they tried to tell the Acolytes, hey, this finish isn't going to work for us, yada, yada. Yeah. And so if you go back and you you look it up on YouTube, Public Enemy versus the Acolytes APA, they go out there and they absolutely beat the shit out of them. And I'm not talking working. I'm talking they went out there and be like, "You ain't gonna come into our house and try to tell us what to do." They beat the shit out of them boys. Wow, it is brutal, and that's why the public enemy lasted in WWF for about a week. Oh, yeah, because they were they were insanely over in ECW. I remember was it the match with a. was it them against uh, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck when they just filled the ring with chairs? Uh, I believe, I believe so. Or was it was it
0: the, was that the, that other tag team uh, name? Oh, the the Hardcore. Okay, the I
1: hardcore. think it was. Yeah, yeah. Are you thinking of the uh, was it the Hardcore Chair Swinging Freaks Balls okay, well, ball, ball. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it was Cactus. I think it was Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck against Public Enemy and. I think Jack asked for a chair and the fans just started just chunking them into the ring like it was. You know, speaking of, of another attack team, I mean, with the FBI,
0: the full blooded Italians is in ECW.
1: Nuncio!
0: Or no, little Guido. You know.
1: She Chicago by his real right, <laughs> name, little Guido.
0: Let's go to the hardcore chair swinging freaks. You know, I, again, I don't know so much about EC, ECW, but. Axel you know, but ECW. Watson,
1: Balls Mahoney.
0: I mean, CW had their fair cha- their f- their fair uh, share of great tag teams. Of course, you know the Dudleys. So
1: my but second now, favorite
0: they- tag, tag team. You think, of, you, know, you think of the Arties, Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, the APA, the or the Acolytes, you know, the Rock and Saw Connection, the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned all those, but you're talking
1: WWF in late nineties. The the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge Christian were head and shoulders above everybody. I mean, absolutely. they the matches, the promos. I mean, absolutely insane. I remember the, the the triangle ladder match, man. Uh, WrestleMania 2000. Um, it was preluded by the table match, at the Royal Rumble between the Hardys and the Dudleys. And I don't think anyone ever saw or thought we would see what we saw at that triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 16. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely insane. And,
0: we and then, what, we I mean, what we saw later, a year later at WrestleMania 17?
1: And then SummerSlam, TLC 1 and 2. God. So, 90s, we agreed. it's the, That's the Steiners. 2000s, yeah. I think you have to look at the Dudleys, man. Um, as far as what they did in WWE, ECW, um, New Japan, TNA,
2: IWC,
1: NWA. I mean, they've won, what is it, 12? How many, how many times have they won the Tag Team Championships? Like half a dozen at least, or a dozen, I mean, at least they wanted so so
0: many so many times like eighteen
1: tag team title wins.
0: Actually, I I think well I, I according to this Impact recognizes them as a, as twenty three time world tag team champions. Is it twenty wow. <laughs> three? I
1: mean, so a- they just wanted somebody
0: to dominate every, everywhere. I mean, like you said, ECW, the Indies, WWE,
1: Impact,
0: the NWA, Ring of Honor. New Japan, or you know, in whatever. So, they
1: they were insane, man. I mean, and Bubba, th- there may be no one better at getting heat with a crowd than Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah, I mean, almost. he would have yeah. in an ECW when he had free reign to just say whatever he wanted. He would have that crowd ready to riot and murder him. Yeah, like, but yeah, he was Yeah, like yelling at a girl, telling her like, I'm sure her mom sucks a good dick or something. I mean the dude was he was vile, he was horrible. i mean, ah uh, the I mean some I mean, of those promos are absolutely just you can't believe someone would actually say that to another person
0: yeah well, that's what it takes to make money and you know that's that's another idea for the show uh best pro- uh, you know best promos to talk about, but you, know, you you think of the Dudley's, you know, and you know, when they left WWE in two thousand five. You know, if, if you watch that interview uh, with, with Bubba Ray and Chris Van Vliet, I mean, it's probably one of the greatest interviews in wrestling history. You know, like what you know, he said when they left in two thousand five after One Night Stand. We'll never forget when they defeated the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. I mean, that three D through that flaming table. Oh my God, that's ECW for you. But you know, when they left and. They could not be known as the Dudleys anymore because WB owned the trademark after WB bought C W out of bankruptcy a bankruptcy core, because, as Bubba Ray explained, the Dudley name is is was original intellectual property of BCW. But, but he said like whether they were known as Team Three D, everybody still knew who they were and and how Bubby explained if the Road Warriors can be the Legion of Doom, then you know everybody still knows who who, who they are.
1: The Road Warriors can be the Legion of Doom, then they can be Team Three D
0: exactly everybody knows who they are so they're still the same guys just just under a different name and the reason why was because wwe they could not use the dudley name because wwe had a trademark for it
1: which i mean honestly though i mean that just i think that kind of ties back in and we could do an episode on that as well just kind of the the pettiness of Vince McMahon right
0: absolutely you know and, and another idea that that comes to mind you know when Bubba spoke about how the Bully Ray character almost happened in, in WWE. Like that, you know? And I'm looking at all the tag teams they've held. I mean, the Dudleys, the WWF tag team titles, WWE tag team titles, ECW, WCW, NWA, TNA, and, and New Japan, which is the IWGP tag team yeah, it's, titles.
1: it's absolutely insane. And like I said, up until about six months ago, I, I think they were probably my 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 favorite, my my pick for best tag team of all time.
0: You're right. Actually, WWE recognizes them as 18-time world champions. It's just yep. that Impact recognizes them as 23-time. The bottom line is they've won every single tag team title there is to win.
1: Like, yeah. Now, of course, we don't want to sit here and just make people think that we are just on that WWE teat the entire time. We're really not going to cover uh, WCW or ECW because let's just face it at this time they were pretty much uh, owned by. WWE but let's let's look at some other some other companies. Um what about um let's talk Impact Wrestling for a moment? Let's talk about America's most wanted man, uh Cowboy James Storm, Wildcat Chris Harris. Um, I'm watching Impact, so yeah, this is where you have the floor, buddy. <laughs> um if you, if you don't know, they had a great gimmick. They were kind of Southern cowboys. They had Gail Kim um as kind of their valet um great finishes um really unique moves um definitely one to to go back and check out definitely a standout from uh impact wrestling and if we want to talk you know indies uh you got to look at like the briscoes we're still doing it killing it today the briscoe brothers um i know a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with ring of honor definitely go out check them out check out the kings of wrestling Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro, Casero, Cassius Uno, as w- as we uh, more know them now. And then uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico, better known as Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If you're not familiar with them, definitely get out, watch them. Um, they they were doing some, some phenomenal stuff.
0: Yeah, see, this is where we are, like, right now. Like, you know, talk about the tag teams from the Ruthless Aggression era to today. I mean, the Young Bucks. I mean, the, the Briscoe brothers, you know. Huge in Ring of Honor, and you know, it, it we talk about you know the USOs, the new—I mean, the New Days is stable, but you know, set, still, you know, I guess they still kind of, you know, basically fit in, in the tag team division. But you know, there's also swerve. I mean, swerve in our glory—that is something I—I I, I absolutely adore. Of course, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns. You know, the research on them,
1: <laughs> Saban and Shelley. Uh, they are right, even. Talk- Ivana and Impact, I believe. Or here's one, um, you know, from the 2000s, dude. Los Corretos. Well, how, how,
0: how the heck could I forget?
1: You talk World's Greatest Tag Team, Haas and Benjamin, MMM, M&M, Mercury and Nitro. Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh uh, Lance Cade and Murdoch and Trevor Murdoch,
1: man. The Un-Americans, William Regal and Lance Storm, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Oh, uh, of boy. course, Cody Rhodes is a member of the Legacy team with Ted DiBiase Jr. When he first came out, um, two thousands were were great, man. Um, and, and you know, like DX Triple H as <laughs> rated RKO. You had some one offs with teams like you know, Three Minute Warning, Ric Flair and Batista. The Basham brothers. I mean, even talk about old school LAX man, Homicide, and Hernandez. Um, of no, course, were, it they sent- were doing some some incredible things. See, LAX. I, I'm telling you, LAX. I mean,
0: I think it it started out as a tag team, and I think it, it fully expanded to like a major, like it, it, into a major stable. I, I think. I think uh, some people say it's like almost like the Bullet Club, like because the Bullet Club. I mean, I don't even know if, if Bullet Club is even is
1: Even a stable this one because it's so big, so many members, whether it's present I, or past. I, I don't think you can put LAX and Bullet Club really on the same level. Um, LAX was just you know, it was pretty much Conan and whatever two guys he had at that time. Um, I will say though, it does like hurt my heart to see you know what's going on right now with um, you know, Santana and Ortiz, but uh, I think again, that's uh, for for another time. Um, I'm but yeah, I think. So
0: I'm still mad that the inner circle had to split.
1: But I think uh, 2000s, man, you got to say it was uh, it was the Dudleys.
0: No doubt. I mean, uh, a lot of names come to mind, but the one you talk about the most is the Dudleys. I mean, because if it wasn't for the Dudleys, I mean, think of all the teams that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the Dudleys. Exactly. But, then we
1: move, move into the 2010s. I mean, this is where I think... In a lot of ways, tag team wrestling started making a comeback because you did have teams like the Young Bucks.
0: On top of the world now. To prominence. On top of the world now. Tag team wrestling is on top of the freaking world now with all the names. The Lucha Brothers, the Young Bucks. Yo.
1: The greatest tag team of all time. Here it comes. My pick, who I love more than anyone else. F.T. Fucking R. Dawson Wheeler Cash, whatever you want to call them. Ca- <laughs> I, Kingdom. I, just think, I just remember now, Kingdom. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike Bennett,
0: Mike Bennett, and the other guy, they're known as the Kingdom. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> of, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was it Mike Bennett and Matt David,
0: right? Or, yeah, yeah. of course, Mike, you
1: know, Mike Bennett and Matt David,
0: yeah. So brothers, the Lucha Brothers, man. I mean, they're,
1: they're so the open, dangerous. Uh, I mean, to either- the dangerous
0: uh, of New Japan, yeah, and even right, WWE
1: stepping it up with who, Usos, New Day, the Viking Raiders, the Street Profits, uh, um, the Bar, yeah. Well, they're not around anymore, cheer, but man, the bar was awesome. <laughs> um, Cesaro, oh, is our famous.
0: glory, yeah. one of the coolest things I've ever seen.
1: The Acclaimed, as we're talking about AEW tag teams,
0: Scissor. Hey, M- of course, uh, will will Osprey? Uh, I don't even know if I did I say it right. Is it Osprey or Osprey? Yeah, Osprey. It's Osprey. It's yeah. The the United Empire faction. I think they're no they're known as uh, uh Open United,
1: Yeah, United Empire is the faction. Aussie Open's the tag team. Yeah. But um, then you also have um, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn in New Japan. Um, the Briscoe's still killing it. But can, we, can we just? Can we talk about how good FTR is they are your peer wrestling throwbacks this was a team that was healed but they're so good in the ring that they turned them face um I think Scott um he wanted to call him Dawson and <laughs> Dash and Dawson I've been watching too much old school uh uh NXT but man
0: um they're just one of many NXT talents that got buried on the main roster.
1: Yeah, because Vince McMahon no, didn't know what to do with them, man.
0: FTR just
1: basically a combination of
0: back in the day and today. I mean, the. You, it, it's assumed how.
1: Would, may just, be the best bell to bell wrestler in professional wrestling right now. I mean, you look at the matches that he has had. Even even the single matches that he's had with guys like CM Punk and Cesaro, he is just on another level. And you put him with Wheeler Man and his fucking magic. I mean they were known as the Revival in WWE. Yes, and in XT, they I think their original name was the Mechanics, uh, because of you know they're very technically sound, and they called them the throwbacks. And they went with this revival, and they had that great series of matches with American Alpha, Chad Gable, and Jason Jordan. And then the, the freaking two out of three falls match against DIY man, Gargano, Champa, and the two of them made magic.
0: So the Lucha Brothers as well. Man.
1: I mean, the, the matches that they've had with the Briscoes, I mean, the promos alone were absolutely insane. You, you see, like... When FTR
0: left WWE, you know they signed with AEW. They appear with Ring of with with Ring of Honor. I guess you know now that now that because Ring of Honor is all elite, you know if, if you're a member of the AEW roster, then I guess technically you're also part of Ring of Honor. Although contracts might be different for now, but but I'm telling you, I mean FTR, you know, dominating you know in Japan, the Ring of Honor in Mexico. That I, mean, I don't know if they're still the AAA Lucha Libre Tag Team Champions, but dude, once they sure. were set free from be. i mean
1: they were allowed to
0: be themselves and promoters knew how to use
1: them yeah i mean right now they hold in the triple a titles the roh titles and the iwgp titles they are still they are still the champions uh, okay yeah i mean dude they're, they're everything they do is incredible and honestly that's one of the biggest fucking gripes i have with aew is the way that aftr is booked they are the most overact that you have I don't know why Tony doesn't have them on every freaking episode. And, you know, people talk about the Young Bucks. They dropped the titles uh, to, swear to you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because they wanted to do the three-way thing and they didn't want to have to drop the titles to FTR in the rubber match. I mean, there's been all this backstage drama coming out of AEW, so who knows what is what. But there there's no, there is no good logical reason why they're not also holding the AEW tag team titles at this time and I mean, it's a crime that they're not.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to see the Lucha Brothers drop the titles to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I mean, no disrespect to, no disrespect to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I just, I just never expected it. Like, one thing I would, I would love, fatal, a Fatal 4-Way, FTR, the Lucha Brothers, the Young Bucks, and uh, I wouldn't know the, uh, another team, but like put that and, and then you know have a Fatal 4-Way tag team t- title match for the titles, I
1: mean, that's a main event right there. it it just makes no sense to me you have the lucha brothers they drop it to jurassic express they drop it to swerve in our glory they drop it to the acclaimed and then you have ftr coming out and doing like six-man tag matches and stuff which don't be wrong love Wardlow. love sean spears love seeing them but these dudes need to be featured as your top tag team i mean they've got three sets of belts from three different companies already the fact that they are not pushing them has i mean think about how much money and how much of a draw it would be if you just every week you had FTR, you give them 10 or 15 minutes against random tag teams from around the world. You have people coming in from New Japan, from England, from some of the U.S. um, and the territories every week just to fight FTR. I I don't get why they're not putting them on every
2: freaking show. Is
1: it
0: it Fair to say that FTR is arguably the best
1: tag team right now and they're the most over. Yes. And in my opinion, I said up until about six months ago, probably before the first match they had with the Briscoes, the Dudleys were my favorite tag team of all time. It is now FTR. Right. Um anytime they're in the ring, you know, no offense to Cash, he's amazing. Any anytime Dax gets on the microphone, I'm instantly hooked. When he gave that promo about his daughter and you know fighting like a six-year-old girl, you know being a father myself, I had tears in my eyes. Um, and it's they are so good. I mean, they're crisp. Everything they does makes sense. It's, it. They are one of those few teams that can suspend disbelief. The Bucks are awesome. The Lucher Brothers are awesome. But a lot of their matches, it looks like coordinated choreographed gymnastics. And I know I'm like, you know, oh, my God, you sound like Jim Cornette. But you look at it and, you know, when they're doing backflips and they both go to kick each other and miss and they kick each other with the other leg and then they do another backflip. I mean, let's be honest. We all know wrestling is choreographed, but that kind of, you know, shines a huge line on it. Where you do that with FTR, they're going to punch you in the mouth. To me, they are absolutely phenomenal. I I would watch them wrestle a mop and a broom.
0: You know what? Uh, They are
1: the best tag team of the 2010s, and in my opinion, the best of all time. Now, that fourth team I had in mind would have been Santana and Ortiz. That's another tag team that, I mean, we could talk about, you know, wrestlers and acts that kind of got lost in the sauce in AEW. I mean, yeah, I know you were a huge fan of the Inner Circle, and it would have been great. But even when they were in the Inner Circle, why did you not push Santana and Ortiz as a tag team? And you know, powerful, LAX, whatever you want
0: to call them, they were phenomenal in the ring too. Santana Ortiz, are just—I mean, you talk about the—you know—the Latin American heels. I mean, dude, like, you know, their gear. You know, the, the, these—they're these like, you know, uh, Puerto Rican dudes. You know, from New York. You know, their their gear. You know, the sock with—I think—pretty sure those are baseballs in it. I mean, dude, Santino Ortiz with the inner circle, like, especially when it all be when it all be gone. Santana and Ortiz were probably one of the best villainous tag teams I've ever seen. Like, they were just so cool. I will never forget being at AEW in, in 2019. Dynamite and Garland. The main event was the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz in a in a Texas Street Fight, where the winners would challenge, I believe, uh, Southern Cal Uncensored, Censored, who of course were the AEW tag team champs at the time. And speaking of uh, Southern Cal Uncensored, Censored, it made no. I mean, we can have the argument why they had to why they had to split up. Uh, Frankie Kazarian, and, um, and Scorpio Sky,
1: but, like that. I mean, but. It's, again, though, it's one of those splits that makes no sense. Normally, when you split up a team, you're going to push one of the guys, and it was nothing. I think Scorpio Sky had the TNT title for, what, like a week before Wardlow came out and power-bombed him into oblivion?
0: Well, Scorpio Sky, well, no, the Scorpio Sky uh, feuded up with uh, Sammy Guevara on the TNT title. Right, but then he dropped it oh, to okay. Wardlow. I believe, yeah, with that, but, uh, you know, again, you see, like, we got so caught up and lost in the shuffle with the tag team, with tag team wrestling, like, based on how we gave our opinions, I mean, we just kind of proved to the audience just how important tag team wrestling is, not only to the business, but the, to the fan base. I'm telling you, the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz was probably the the one of the greatest main events I've ever witnessed in my, in my life, like, in that Texas street, but I don't know if you were there, but... You know, I'll, I'll never I'm forget, a uh, one of them, you know, the young bucks work Dallas Cowboys helmet. And then one of the, I, I don't know if it was Santana or Ortiz, he pulled it off and he spat on it. And like did that. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. People ask me did that at me. I'm like, Nope, that's heel work. I mean, come on, two dudes from New York, you know, and, and, you know, and they're, in, they're in Dallas. So you know, of course yeah, they're, they're going to spit on the Cowboys. I that's heel work.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I so, mean, you, you, you look at the match, you know, that, uh, FTR, you talk about the Bucks, the match that they had with the Bucs, you know, back in April. But it was just insane. Um, you know, the Bucks they get a lot of hate, they get a lot of criticism. And, and I can understand it because there are some are some moments and some matches where you just shake your head. But man, I remember the, the first the match that really sold me on the Bucks was them against uh, Kenny and uh Koda, the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks and ROH, like about three years ago. Right before AW4, and that that kind of sold me on the Bucks, and you know, but yeah, when when they're in the ring with the right opponents, someone like FTR, someone like the Lucha Brothers, it, it's magic, man, it's magic.
0: You know, here's actually a team, you know, uh, the uh, Chris Rex, you know, who I used to do wrestling with a bear with. I mean, he's probably he'd probably be extremely disappointed that we didn't mention this. We you know but the the Spanish announced team. Truth is, I really the don't SATs? know much. SAT, they they actually he was actually trained by uh yeah you know the the SATs uh it's unfortunate that you know you know Chris knows every everything about that there is to know about the guys and we were actually it, it's a shame at one point we, we were going to have him on Wrestling with a Bear but unfortunately the, their schedule just could not allow it it's a shame but. But, yeah, you know, the, the Spanish announced him. I mean, they, didn't they invent the move uh, Spanish Fly?
1: I believe so. I'm
0: telling you, that Spanish Fly move, man, that that is something. You know? <laughs> There was
1: actually a uh, – Nathan Frazier hit one tonight on um, Carmelo Hayes on the NXT show. That was insane. Yeah.
0: So, I mean – Go back. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there's probably so many names that we even mentioned, but you know, now I, I forget. And now we mentioned the SAT. Yeah, yeah uh, they were basically, yeah, uh, basically, mainly on the independent promotions. You know, Jose and Joel Maximo and their cousin, Amazing Red, also, you know, you know, part of it too. So, yeah, and they've worked. They basically worked in Ring of Honor. You know, they, they, uh, they did work a couple of WWE shows back in 2004 against. uh They worked a match with the, with the Basham Brothers on Velocity one time.
1: I mean, this is a topic we could talk, we could talk for, for two days on. Yeah. But I, I, I think if we're going we're gonna to tie it on a bow, 80s Legion of Doom, 90s Steiners, 2000s the Dudleys, the 2010s. I'm actually going to say it was a split. I cannot believe these words are about to leave my mouth. The Young Bucks kept tag team wrestling alive. 2010, 2015, 2015, and I think from then on, teams like DIY, FTR, American Alpha, um, LAX, Beer Money, kind of. Another kind of one, Kingdom
0: know-sos. of. About. Oh my god! What is what is wrong with me, man? Enzo and
1: Cass. How you doing? See, the, I don't know, man, because like. They were a good tag team, but let's be honest: what you were wanting to see with Enzo and Cass was the entrance
0: and the promos, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean the entrance, the promos. I mean Bell to Bell, you got the little guy who gets the shit kicked out of him, the big guy who comes in and cleans house. But it was the mic skills from Enzo, man. Yeah. I'm a Jedi and I got a mic saber for a hater. they <laughs> premiered on Raw. You told Devon he'd slap him so hard he'd put his lazy eye to work. <laughs> dude, he was in, oh my god,
2: so many. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah, like we we could honestly spend hours talking I'm about at, that. At, at, Remember, private private party. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: dude, another one. That, that, that tournament to crown the inaugural AW uh, tag team champions. I mean, I was amazed, but again, the young the young bucks. We could say whatever we want about them. Like they could conduct business. The fact that they put. Private Party over? Know. Man. And, and yeah, look at that. What bit. happened to Private Party? I'm telling you, another thing, like, why'd they have to do that?
1: Again, it's, you know, I feel like we could do another episode on this because we keep coming back to it. It's like, AEW does not know how to keep people over unless it's like Moxley. Other than that, and Moxley and Kenny Omega, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing.
0: I mean, you know, you speak of you know Chris Jericho just signed a new deal. We all know that Chris Jericho's uh, responsibilities and like like that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But you know, yeah, we can go on and on and on. But you know, but, but this just goes to show how tag team wrestling has unlimited talking points. Literally,
1: it does. And I think, you know, we are. In a place now where I think tag team wrestling is, this is the not to to sound because um, I know I've been singing their praises all night, but I really do think we are in a situation where we could have a revival of tag team wrestling. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: just so many teams right now that could ser- seriously be hot. I mean, imagine if all the promotions worked together. I mean, um, it, it, this is the, this is our final sub before we close out. Imagine. The Usos versus the Young Bucks. Imagine Well,
1: I mean, the Usos versus the Young Bucks versus the Briscoes. Give me brother versus brother versus brother. Brothers versus brothers versus brothers, however you want to say it. Add the Lucha
0: brothers to the mix.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, because yeah, they are yeah, okay. I mean if you really wanted to, we could also add the gorillas of destiny. (laughs) Um <laughs> there's
0: so t- and, and when you mentioned how AEW can't keep all these tag teams over. I mean, you're not you're not even kidding. I mean, all the tag teams that we've seen in in, in AEW. I mean, you know Swerve and Strickland. You know, like that. You've seen Keith Lee. You know, uh, again. But you know them losing the belts. The acclaimed. I, I I I I just didn't expect it. But you know, again, there's there's a lot of tag teams, and you know, and when Private Party kind of changed when they got in that group with Matt with. With big money, Matt, you know, the, the fact that the broken Hardy gimmick disappeared, I was like, I don't know why, but I just hope it comes back soon. But I don't even know if it is coming I, back at this point.
1: And I mean, yeah, and you know, we didn't, I feel bad because we didn't talk about it enough, but you definitely got to look at the acclaimed as far as uh, up and coming tag teams. I mean, they're ridiculously over. I mean, even John Cena said Max Caster can rap better than him. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, again, you know, I don't. I don't want to harp on this man, just because, you know, I, I feel like a broken record, but you'll have these teams and stuff that are over. And then it's like the promotions don't know what to do with them.
0: I mean, you, you, you know, and I've said this before and I, you know, I've said it many times. What's the biggest mistake that Tony Khan has been making ever since he ever since AEW uh, started, what has he been too doing many with damn the wrong people? Too many damn people and not using them. I mean, See, so, so here's two other things. So we talk about how critical we are of AEW, the booking of the of women's wrestling, tag team wrestling is just another one too.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, WWE ain't a no picnic they have a a ton of flaws, but I do I do feel like they use their talent a little better.
0: I mean, at the same time, you can't please everybody. But the problem is with AEW is, well, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have over. I mean. You can't call an overloaded roster at this one. Overloaded is too is too much of an understatement.
1: Well, it just feels like they don't, you know they 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 have these teams or these wrestlers who give the you know have these you know crazy reactions or they're crazy over, and they just they do nothing with them.
0: This is why, like, if every single wrestling promotion tomorrow announced a permanent business relationship. Imagine all the talents that can be loaned to promotion time after time after time, just like the days of the NWA. That would actually be the biggest, the best thing that happened to AEW. Imagine like imagine all these all these talent, whether just being loaned or just booking dates like that, all like that, like finally actually being true independent contractors. I mean, that's another story for another time. How pro wrestlers are considered I mean, WWE wrestlers have been considered independent contractors, but it's that's clearly not the case because independent contractor means You can work for one promotion and another as well as take bookings. Like, you can work for AEW. You can also work in Japan and take indie bookings. That's independent contracting, not WWE. But that's another story for another time.
2: So, I think I'm all
1: tagged out, homie. uh, I think I'm just going to go in. an hour and a half. I'm going to make the cover. I'm going to
0: hook the leg. One, two three and we are officially 10 time tag team champions Smokey okay. and the bear let's go and we're baby we're baby because we didn't cheat but Anyth- anything you want to add uh before I close it out
1: um feel free to follow me at um it's underscore all underscore taken on Twitter um now nah, i just uh let's get ready for an exciting week of wrestling and uh that's all I got, man. Uh yeah, it's, you're it's all gassed up. Yeah, dude. It's been a long week with the kids. So uh thanks for having me on. And uh I mean I look forward to our next topic. Absolutely, and like to
0: remind everybody that ringside chaos is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, as well as YouTube. I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend, and I ask you from the bottom of my heart, please, please, please subscribe. It is, of course, the pro wrestling segment of both the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Productions. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you all next time.
1: Take it easy, Chaos Nation.